TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Joining us right now on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We welcome in from Cleveland.com, Doug Maurice And Doug, I got to tell you, um, this night side thing. A little bit different from the mornings. I'm, I, I'm, I like a little bit here tonight. Are you getting enough sleep? You got to take care of yourself. I don't know what sleep is. I had no idea. It was so strange. So I, I was off this morning. It was so strange to wake up. I, the, I didn't change the alarms, and I almost, almost drove to the station in my normal four, four thirty in the morning. It, I, I, I lost it. Uh, <laughs> Doug Labarie joined us here at the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. I think the, the big thing that stands out to me right now uh, with the Cleveland Browns, with all these close losses, is, is there anyone on the team right now that can handle adversity? We, this is an interesting conversation because I think you get, there's a little bit of, a, of an idea of roster construction here. And, you know, I've kind of been all in on the whole teardown and rebuild and Andrew Barry and how he went about things and, there certainly have been a lot of good moves. But I, I do think when you see where this team is, we know they have a young core that you feel like is ready to win. But it do could they use like another veteran or three that would help them would help guide them through tough spots like this that you know, Miles Garrett's been around, the Denzel Ward's been around, but you see, it feels like the loss of Anthony Walker Jr. is leaves a, a, such a gaping hole, not just in the middle of the defense but sort of in like the psyche of the team, you know, they have Joel Batonio and Amari Cooper, and there's some other guys there. But I I do wonder about that, that when you're talking, Anthony, about like that adversity, um, they're the youngest team in the NFL. And if they're trying to win right now, and they are, you know, in the next two or three years for sure, like should they be that? So I'll be curious to see, you know, even this offseason, how Andrew Barry goes about that, because I, I think you make a good point. And, and I do think, though, and I think that might be the biggest part of this two and five start. And you know, you think about like the the, the locker room blow up at the end of the Ravens game and everything that's going wrong. And it just seems like to me that this locker room right now, they don't know exactly who to turn to for that said leadership and for this season and for this start and a start where they were expected to win a few more of these games. That's been a huge problem, Doug. We've all had, like, the Jarvis Landry conversation over and over and over again while he was in Cleveland, right? I mean, since hard knocks, when you saw the impact that that guy made, and I sort of questioned 
the contract and the deal when John Dorsey made it. Like, man, is, the, is this guy worth this money? And I sort of had to learn, you know, how valuable a guy can be, not just what with what he does on the field. And so with the production level and the injuries, you sort of understand why they didn't bring Jarvis Landry back. But, like, you know, you kind of miss Jarvis, don't you? Oh, like that, very like much. Stuff like that feels like it's, it's popping up and not that – not that Jarvis Landry magically magically solves everything, but if Jarvis Landry was in that post game locker room in Baltimore, you know, how how might it have been different? Or 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 if he had been on a sideline in a game when a game's slipping away, would he have been going around to the guys? Like you just you, your your head goes to something like that when you have a team that's lost this many close games. Doug Maurice, Cleveland.com joining us here and a little bit later on we're gonna get to Ohio State, they're going to finally play some big games. Got that uh, coming up a little bit later on. Uh, but I want to uh, focus in on a few key things here. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering about John Johnson III. I brought this up earlier with uh, Daryl Ryder. Uh, he spoke out. He spoke out publicly. A few other members of the team spoke it out publicly as far as leadership. And it's like, hey, we need to step up and, and do these things. Is there extra pressure as far as stepping up, as far as performing on the field, because he may have had a little subpar game on Sunday after what he said uh, last week to the media. Yeah, no, I, I, that's a really tough spot because I do think it makes it a little harder to lead if you're not playing great. And so when you look at the defensive issues, and I think you know you can point to all 11 guys in the field and Joe Woods and every other assistant coach on that defense and there's plenty of blame to go around, but certainly John Johnson third is not solving problems. It feels like on the field that when things are, are breaking down, it feels like, okay, well, was, was that him? Should he have done something different there? Was that his mistake? And so then to be a guy who's like, Hey, we all need to be more accountable and that kind of thing. And it's like, well, like it makes it tough. You know, I think a lot of coaches and, and general managers have said, you know, over the years, like it, it's really quite a thing when like your best players are your best leaders, right? And it's like you are getting the job done, and so you can ask everybody else to raise their level. And I respect the idea that John Johnson sort of does, I think, have that leadership ability, but it also feels like he's not playing great right now, and I, and I do think you can get caught in a cycle there, and it makes it a little tough. As Kevin Stefanski, we're joined by Doug Labarese. Kevin Stefanski, you know, he, he may mention – among the, you know, credit to me, it's on me, credit to them. Uh, they're a great football team. He talked about the the blow up in the locker room after the Ravens game. It's like, that's normal football. Do you feel like Stefanski still has a connection, a strong connection um, with this football team, with his players? Uh you know, I'm not there every day like Mary Kay Cabot and Dan Lobby and Ashley Bastock and Irie Harris and the rest of our Browns reporters, but like certainly from my view, it feels like no, and it feels like it exacerbates every other part of the leadership question when maybe you don't have a coach who's taken up a lot of space in that area, right? That you you end up in a situation where players are yelling in the locker room and maybe questioning leadership because you don't have sort of a iron fist culture built like this is how we do things kind of head coach and I just think in year three that like Kevin Stefanski is not there yet and I think we saw it with the Odell Beckham Jr. Baker Mayfield situation a year ago that 
definitely was a tough spot, but I certainly don't think he solved any problems in that situation. I don't, I don't think he brokered anything. I don't think he made anything better. I don't think he brought the team together necessarily around that. So I think it started there, and now both those guys are gone, and they got a lot of blame last year for the splintering of the team or any kind of off-field issues, and they certainly deserve some. But here we are, no Odell, no Baker, and we're having a leadership conversation about a 2-5 and five team. So who else are we supposed to talk about in that situation other than the head coach? So I think that's a very real question. Yeah, and it just makes it tough because I, I think a lot of us are finding issues as far as, uh, well, there's two and five, they're a two and five team, but it, there's a problem here, problem there, problem every. There's <laughs> just leaks all over the place, and somebody has to get the blame, and and that's where it goes from there. Doug Lambert joining us from Cleveland.com. All right, let's go to Ohio State. I'm excited to talk about Buckeyes because they're going to finally play a meaningful football game. It seems after seems like a, a, a lifetime ago they faced off against Notre Dame and. And to go from there. But before we get to this weekend's game, uh, you have tweeted something or retweeted something earlier today about Iowa and kind of their response from the game last Saturday, that particular beatdown um, against the, you know, with the Buckeyes in Iowa. Uh, kind of take us through what happened and how Iowa responded, um, you know, with the media. What happened there exactly? So uh, Kirk Ferentz is the head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa's offensive coordinator is Brian Ferentz, who is Kirk Ferentz's son. He's been in that job since 2017. Iowa has basically the last-ranked offense in the country. Um, Their offense is terrible. It was bad last year as well, even though they won last year despite the bad offense. So I went to the post-game news conference for Iowa. I asked Kirk Ferentz four questions about why do you continue to employ your son when the offense is this bad? Um, you know, why would anyone have faith that you will evaluate him fairly at the end of the year? And he got, you know, it was fine. He didn't, we didn't have like a confrontation there. He got a little snippy. And then I talked to the Iowa, Iowa AD afterward and wrote a column about it. And, um, it's a lot of Iowa fans have responded to that column and liked the fact that someone pressed Kirk Ferentz on that idea. And then at his news conference today, he said, he referred to the questions I asked him as an interrogation, and said the thing he thought about when he went home was that at least as bad as that game was, at least he wasn't that guy, meaning me. So he gave himself solace after losing to Ohio State 54-10 to by saying at least he's not me. So I, I think I might have hurt his feelings, I guess. Oh, no. How can he be proud of that? <laughs> How can he be proud yeah, of that I response? I don't understand that. No. No, I think he just didn't like the questions I asked, So, which is fine. I mean, I always say coaches, if you criticize coaches or players publicly, which is what guys like us do, they absolutely have the right to come back and criticize us. I mean, it wouldn't be fair for this to be a one-way street. So that's, that was his response today. And so sort of the initial questions I asked in column I wrote on Saturday kind of created a little stir. And then the way Kirk Ferentz, uh, decided to respond today, I think added a little bit of fuel to uh, a fire that was starting to die down, and he kind of relit it. So Ohio State winning that game against Iowa 54-10, to a game that uh, the, some have said that, you know, Joe Klatt said, look, I don't know. Ohio State didn't look that great, but they blew out Iowa. They handled their business, did the job. 
But now they move on to Penn State. Uh, big news Saturday. They move on. And now we're getting to the part of the schedule where Ohio State's going to start to face winning teams. Uh, so do you've, they're the number two team in the country, obviously. There's obviously big expectations with this Buckeyes team. For those who are who are like, I, don't, I really don't know about this Buckeyes team. I don't know exactly who they are and perhaps in close situations. Uh, tell everyone, perhaps, what do you expect to see from this game on Saturday uh, at Penn State? Penn State has a good defense. They have a good secondary. They have a really they have two good corners, but Joey Porter Jr. especially really good long physical corner, um, good linebackers, and they have some skill guys. A couple good receivers, good freshman running back, veteran quarterback, and Sean Clifford is a game manager kind of guy, not real dynamic, but been around the block. So I think they're a good solid team. I think they they probably legitimately are one of the twelve or fifteen best teams in college football, maybe better on some days. Got blown out by Michigan. Um, and they're tough in State College, and Ohio State's had tough games there multiple times. It's in the afternoon instead of at night. Often that Ohio State game winds up being a whiteout at night. It's going to be a noon start, as you said, so that makes it, I think, a little easier for Ohio State, but it's still a tough place to play, and so I think it will be a good test. I mean, I mean, I, I don't. I think they can do a version defensively of what, of what Iowa did, and then their offense is significantly more competent than Iowa, not nearly as explosive as Ohio State, so the way you saw Iowa, you know, make the Ohio State offense look a little clunky for about two and a half quarters, I think it's possible that Penn State could be do something similar and then move the ball a little bit. So I think it could be an interesting game. But um, the firepower of Ohio State, I mean, if they do what you expect them to do, I, you know, Penn State can't hang with that. So I think it could be similar to what we saw Saturday, which is like, tight for a little bit, maybe even a little bit tighter, but then Ohio State kind of does what it does and pulls away late. I do like the idea. I, I, I've always been scared of those uh, Penn State primetime games, so uh, thank, yeah. thank you, Fox. Thank you, Fox, for Big News Saturday. It's the, <laughs> I know it seemed like that Big News Saturday this year was like the Michigan package for like a month straight, uh, but now Ohio State's feature for the second week in a row. Uh, so that that's going to be interesting. Do it, does it feel like now – uh, Doug, real quick here before we wrap. Tennessee, they had a big win a couple weeks ago against Alabama. Uh, if, if you looked right now at the playoff, is it more likely that the SEC will land three playoff teams or Ohio State and Michigan can go on a collision course and maybe, just maybe, the Big Ten can get both of them in or neither. It seems like it's. It, it seems like right now. Now we're coming into form with the season with college football. Yeah, Clemson's undefeated and they're not great, but I think they're decent. And I'm not sure who's going to beat them in the ACC. So if Clemson goes 13 and 0, Clemson's in. So then it won't be three SEC. And um, you know, I, I do think the fourth spot could come down potentially to like a like a one loss Tennessee or the loser of Ohio State Michigan if they're 11 and 0, 11 and 0 when they play. I, I do think it would be more likely to get both Ohio State, Michigan than three SEC. Like if Clemson implodes, nobody in the Pac-12 or Big 12 has, you know, fewer than two losses, and you're kind of left with like what? And then I think it's two SEC and two Big Ten potentially if you get an 11 and 0 undefeated matchup between the Buckeyes and Wolverines. I just I can't. I know Bama, Georgia, and Tennessee are all good, but like I can't 
exactly see how they thread that needle of three SEC. And, and final question here again, uh, Doug Lamarice, thank you again for joining us at Cleveland.com. Do you approve of, and this is just a personal question, um, if you get a big win, do you approve of uh, fans taking the goalpost and taking it through the neighborhood streets and then throwing it in the river? Uh, yeah. No, as long as you do it safely. Yes. Just make sure nobody's like swimming in the river when you throw the goalposts in. You know, I don't want to legislate people's joy. So college football brings lots of people, lots of excitement. And so be safe, everybody. Be safe when you storm the field. But like sometimes the conversation of like, oh, is that a big enough win to storm the field? It's like people are happy about sports, man. I don't know. What do you want to do? Like it's it's kind of fun. So um, when I was in college at a very poor football university, uh, one time after a tie, um, the people stormed the, the field, tore down the goalposts, and threw in the lake for a tie. So, like, what are you going to do, man? Right? Like, let Tennessee be Tennessee. See, uh, as a BGSU alum, uh, I, I did not have any of these opportunities. Uh, mm. So, <laughs> so uh, we just enjoyed uh, Tuesday night ESPN football from our dorms. <laughs> that was yes. it. Doug yeah. Labor, yeah. So. Yeah, enjoy. That's that's what it's about, and yeah. hopefully you raise enough money to have a goalpost ready to go for the next week's game. And, they, and I think they did. Listen, man, Jimmy Haslam can buy him some new goalposts. They'll be fine. Yes, they can. Doug Cleveland dot com. Doug, thanks again. Appreciate you. Thanks, Anthony. Get some sleep. Oh, I will. I will. Uh, Doug Laborie's joining us. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates Father's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh. 